morning, church, and welcome to this uh, Sunday service. Uh, I'm delighted to be in front of your home screens. Uh, thank you for allowing us in your homes this uh, beautiful Sunday. As we all know, we, we're going through an unprecedented time in history. It's a time that calls for a lot of questions, a lot of unanswered questions, and uh, rightfully so. And I know that some of us uh, you know, may have lost our jobs. Some of us may have lost loved ones. Uh, we could even have loved ones in the hospitals as we speak. And so there are burning questions. There are you know, choices that we were forced to make. And um, you know, sometime in March I was sick myself. And uh, while I was sick and talking to God, you know, this uh, topic jumped into my heart. And I, today I'm going to share on the topic that I titled, The Science of Choice. So when I started uh, you know, preparing for this message, I, I went to the dictionary to you know, see what the dictionary says. And I was disappointed because the dictionary just gave a simple definition of choice. I'll tell you what it says. It says, choice is an act of selecting or making a decision when faced with two or more possibilities, period. And I said, no, that's not true. That cannot be because our lives from the day we're born till our last breath, we have to make choices. So choice is a big deal. How could it just be explained in you know, a few words? So as I reflected on this topic, I came up with what I think is a more comprehensive definition. Of course, you know, it could, it could still be expanded. And I define choice as the end result of our thoughts, deliberations, considerations, and or meditations, either carefully or hastily, over an issue, situation, or circumstances, with the recognition that there may be alternatives slash options which individually have varying consequences. Now mark the words. So that we have thoughts, we have deliberations, considerations, and meditations. So when we're trying to make a choice, whatever becomes our choice is a summation of all these processes. And how do I know this? The one thing that is clear is that the ability to choose is innate in all of creation, and this ability is given by God. If you go back to Genesis, return with me to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to read verse 16, and we're going to see what it says. And the Lord God commanded man, saying, Of every tree in the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it you shall die so and if we go down to verse 19 here's what God said the next conversation God said Bible says out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air now watch this and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them and whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Again, 
here we see that from the beginning, God did two things. He created man, put him in the garden. He says, I'm giving you a choice. He said, there are trees here. There are fruits. He said, feel free. You can choose from any of these, but this particular one, do not touch it. So man was given the ability to choose. So it's clear that God gave parameters for choosing. At the onset of creation, the parameters for choosing have also been provided by God at creation. Now, God went further. Just think about the vast creation. God said to Adam, whatever name you choose to call any of the animals, that's what it's called. Again, we see choice in action. And I'm sure, you know, every time when any of the animals came to Adam, Adam will probably look at it, consider it, you know, look, think about it, you know, to come up with a name that he thinks befits this creation. So this is choice at work. Now, God will not leave us with such a huge task without preparing us. So God has built in us an inner sensor that allows us to measure the accuracy, the relevance, and moral and spiritual leaning of our choices. And how, does, how did God do this? Every human being has a conscience. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter whether you're educated, whether you're rich or poor. We all have a conscience. And that conscience is an inner barometer. That's, that's how you measure what choices you're going to make. If we decide to do bad, your conscience lets you know that what you're doing is wrong. Now, you may ignore the conscience, but God did not leave anyone without this instrument. And talking about choice, I want us to understand something. If there's, if there's anything else you get from this message, it should be that every choice has a consequence. Say with me, every choice has a consequence. It can be immediate, it can be short term, long term, or eternal. And I'll give an example. If you wake up in the morning and you decide to, you know, drink coffee, well, in the next few minutes, your heart rate might go up. So there's an immediate consequence of drinking coffee. That's immediate. If you keep drinking coffee on a large scale for a period of time, you might start having sleep problems. So that's on the short term. So if you stop drinking coffee, the sleep issues might go away. If you continue over a long period of time, you find out that you might develop you know, a problem with your stomach, you have pain and all of that. So that's something as simple as coffee. Now I'm not saying don't drink coffee, I drink coffee. So a choice as simple as that has consequences. Now let's, not, let's, let's look at, take a look at another choice. You know, somebody decides to tell lies. Well, the consequence is you feel guilty. That's, you know, immediate. And then on the short term, if your lies are 
found. You might break, you know, you might bomb bridges with friends. You might be isolated because nobody wants to be around somebody who tells lies all the time. The long-term effect of that is you find yourself in a place where nobody really believes you. So the day you're in trouble, you're alone. But then, if you look at Revelations, it tells us that liars will not enter the kingdom of God. So that's an, that's an eternal consequence of that choice. Choosing to lie has immediate, short-term, long-term, and eternal consequence. So just go with me. So, how do we now synthesize this, this choice, this, this big, important thing, aspect of our life? Because we have to exist, and so how do we how do we navigate? So let me take us to what I call the four functional contexts in which we exist. So we've all heard that you know a man is made of spirit, soul, and body, um, and that's true. But there's another dimension I want us to look at. So it's what I call the four functional context. Functional, mark the word functional. So we we function in four different contexts. The one is the spiritual, the biological, the psychological, and social. So, if you look at this slide that looks like a cross, this is really what we are like when we're born, at birth. Now, I want you to pay attention to the color, because I deliberately color-coded this so that we, we, we understand it as we go along. So, when a child is born, the child is not aware of the environment, but the child is existing. So what happens is if you look at the color, it's blue. So you know, when we talk about love, you know, we talk about love in the, in the, the color blue signifies love. So I thought I should use it. So a child is kept by the love of God. It is God who sustains a child because the child doesn't understand what is happening. The child is hungry. So God has equipped the child to be able to make connections with the world around him so that his needs can be met. Some of you might say, how do you know that? Well, the Bible tells us, I'll get to it just quickly. The Bible tells us that we are actually knit together by God. Let me just get, get to that scripture. Just bear with me. All right, so if we go to Psalm 139, Psalm 139 verse, 30, verse 13, it says, For you formed me, you've, you, you formed my inward part. You covered me in my mother's womb. If, if you have time, go through that scripture, and you're going to see how intricate we're made. In fact, that place tells us that we're fearfully and wonderfully made by God. He goes to talk about how God formed us and he knit us. So when, when a child is born, this child has everything that he or she needs to function because the grace of God, the love of God, the power of God is what sustains the child from conception. The Bible says, before I formed in your mother's womb, I knew you by name. If you look at that place in Psalm 139, he said, God saw us. He saw us from a distance. He understood us. He knew us. Before he even made us, he already saw what we're going to become. Okay? 
He already saw what we're going to become. And so he has prepared us for who we're going to be. So now what happens? As we, as, it, as we start to grow, there's something that happens. We begin to interact with our environment. And as that happens, there is corruption. There is a stain. So, I mean, think about it. When does a child go from not knowing what is going on around him to lying, to hitting another child? You know, the child is mad and he bites his mother. You know, who teaches the child to do that? So what happens is, as the child begins to operate in this context, and he starts to interact with the, his environment, there, there is a corruption. The Bible says that a sower went out to sow seed, and while men slept, the enemy went and sowed tears. And this is what happens to every humanity, every human being. So a child is born innocent as he or she could be, but then there is a corruption that happens over time. So now if you look at this, this slide we're looking at here, I want you to pay attention to the color. So you see, so we went from the, the, the slide that it was all blue, love of God, the child that doesn't know any sin. Now we get to a point where, if you look at, so the slide with the yellow background, if you look at it, you see that this individual, that, so there's a dark, you know, there's a black color. And, and I, I use the word, I use the color black because you know I'm, I want to I want to emphasize the darkness that is creeping in onto the life of this person. Now look at the biological. Biology talks about our physical attribute, okay. The psychological talks about our thoughts and our emotions, and then the social talks about all our interactions, both with ourselves and other people. So look at the colors. So now the the, the child starts to grow, and develop, and there's all these things going on. All these things that God did not plant that is entering the life of this person. So the, the, the color goes from blue, which is just pure love of God, to dark and dark and even black. Now this is before we get saved. And now if you look at the, the biological part of this person, which is the life, the physical, you see that it's green, but it's a very, very faint green. Because the life is not in the fullness. The Bible says that the thief comets to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, but I've come that you may have life and life in abundance. Or some versions will say, and, and life in its fullness. So this person before salvation has life, but look at the, 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 the green is so faint. And I'm going somewhere, just go with me. And then you look at the person's thought, the psychological part of this person, it, it, it's, it's supposed to be white, it's supposed to be pure, but you see that it's not even white. It, it's close enough to white, but it's not white. Then you look at the interactions of this person. Usually when we interact, the Bible says that the love of God constrains us. The Bible commands us that we must love one another. They asked Jesus, which is the greatest of the commandments. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. So that our interactions with our human, fellow human beings should be born and moved through love. So if you look at this person before salvation, it, you know, there's a, there's a blue, but it's so faint. So now let's see what happens when this person meets Jesus. Hallelujah. So if you look at this person, so we see that the, 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 there's God now in the picture. 
And the red, actually, we put we use red because we're talking about the blood of Jesus. Because we're saved through the blood of Jesus. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there'd be no remission of sin. So the blood of Jesus was shed on our behalf. And the Bible tells us that through his blood, he reconciled us to God. The Bible says that God, through one blood, made all men. Okay, I'm paraphrasing that. So you see that now there's salvation. That's the blood of Jesus enters the life of this individual. There's an encounter with God. So the life is now, this person is now green. So there's a fullness, there's a quickening, there's a life that comes to this person. Now watch it. Look at the biological part of this person, the physical, the, the physical, the physiological part of this person. There's now fullness. There's the love of God radiating because the Bible says that for God so loved the world. That he gave his only son. That whosoever, whosoever believes will not perish. So when you meet God at salvation, the love of God starts to flow. So this person's physical life sees love again. This person's thinking, emotions, sees the love of God. The social interaction, the social aspect of this person also sees the love of God. And so that cascade of event will bring life. So when Jesus said, but I've come that you may have life and life in abundance, this person now gets full life. And if you look at, so there's a correlation between this and the first um, you know, picture that I showed where this newborn was all blue. So now you see a play out of all the blues because when you meet God, when you give your life to Jesus, the Bible says, if, if any man um, if, if, if any man be in Christ, say, behold, all things have passed away, all things are new. So there's a new birth. It's almost like God is taking you back to when you were a child. And so, you know, Paul was speaking, he said, you know, desire the sincere milk so you can grow thereby. So a newborn babe will need milk. So when Bible makes reference to that is when you get saved, you get back to that place where the love of God kept you. Just like you're in your mother's womb. Just like when you're born. And so you begin to feed through the word of God. And so the fullness of life comes in. But there's something I want us to see. We're going to go to the next slide. I see what happened. So before we get there, see, there are three, there, there, there are three areas that's blue. And there are two at the bottom. That's God and that's you. So now, the Bible says we are transformed gradually. We're transformed until we come to the fullness of Christ. So, as when we become saved, if we follow what we're supposed to, if we do what the scripture is telling us, here's what is going to happen. Go to the next slide. You see that the you disappears. The God doesn't disappear. You see that we, we coded God in red. What we see here is that when this person continues to walk in the salvation, continues to walk in the precepts of God, the person ceases to exist. The person is now hid in Christ with God. So we, don't, we no longer see you. When the Bible says that we must die to self, what he's saying is that when you get saved, there's a transformation that continues. And that transformation is what causes you so diminish and God increases. So in fact, when someone meets you, they don't even see you. How do I mean? 
Maybe before you got saved, if somebody said something, you are the first person to get mad and fight. But now, you've met Jesus. Now, you are fed by the Holy Spirit. Now, you're walking in the precepts of God. So when those scenarios present themselves, you don't react like that because you cannot. The Bible says that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So we see that this person, that's the bigger circle, is now his spiritual. Because the spirit man comes alive. And the life of God now envelops this person. So what happened to the other aspects of our functioning? We see that the biological gets even bigger. Because what happens is that we feed from the Holy Spirit. The spirit man feeds from the Holy Spirit. And then energizes the body. The Bible says... He, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead shall quicken our mortal bodies. That's what happens to us. So that's the quickening of that person's body. The person becomes alive. If there was any disease or sickness in the body, that cannot stand. Because the Bible says, whoever the son of man sets free is free indeed. So that's the wholeness, that's the fullness of life in this person. But it doesn't stop there. The Bible, God starts to transform the mind. The Bible says, walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. We are commanded to renew our minds. So as this person continues in the presence of God, feeding through the Holy Spirit, there's not only a physical transformation. The Bible says that Moses was on the mountain. When Moses came down from the mountain, they couldn't look at his face because his face was glowing. He was, it was, he was radiating because he had been in God's presence. So now this person's psychological health changes because the thoughts he's thinking are no longer the thoughts of old. He's now thinking along the word of God. And so what happens next? Now we've said in our previous teachings that our thought shapes who we become. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So now when this person is now transformed through his salvation and, and being in God's presence, his interactions, which is the result of our thoughts. Remember, we're talking about choices. This man starts to make choices that reflect his heart. Remember, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. So this new birth, this, this, this flow from the, from the throne of heaven filters down to the smallest choices this person makes. This person now is filled with the love of God so that he's not just about self. He's about what, what, what makes God happy. So you see that his social context is filled with the love of God. So this is where we should be. Now, why is this important? You see, brethren, the Bible tells us, and clearly so, that in the end time, in the end time, in the last days, there will be perilous times. I know we're all praying that, you know, the coronavirus is going to go. I pray the same prayer and I ask God for mercy for all of us. Second Timothy 3 verse 1, it says, But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. That's the word of God. We cannot pray this out of being. No, we cannot pray against the word of God. But see, the Bible always warns us, say, 
He who reads, let him understand. So the virus is going to come and go. We may not know normal like we used to. But one thing remains. That as long as we're here on earth, until Jesus comes, we will have to make choices. And that's why the text of our, of our message, we took it from you know, Deuteronomy chapter 30 and also from Joshua. And in that text, you know, it says, I just, I'm just going to read it for us. Deuteronomy 30, verse, um, we're going to start reading from, from verse 19. This was Moses, after Moses gave the commandments to the Israelites. He said, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your seed will live. Say that thou mayest love the Lord thy God and that thou mayest obey his voice and that thou mayest cleave unto him for he is thy life and the length of thy days that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. Brethren, this scripture is so important in the present dispensation. God is asking us choose life. Choosing life means choosing God. Because the Bible says for he is thy life and the length of thy days. And you know we've made choices. You know we're told to wear masks. I wear masks. You know wear PPE in the hospital. Everything. Wash your hands, sanitize. Yes. As we do those things that will keep us physically alive. Let's remember, that's the higher choice that determines what happens now and in eternity. I like what Joshua said. <laughs> Joshua said, Joshua, for those of us who don't know, Joshua, you know, after Moses died, Joshua led the Israelites to the promised land. And Joshua said this in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. He said, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves, choose, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But here's what he said. He said, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We need to get to a point where we will look at what's going on in, in, this, in, in the world. We make a choice whom we serve. The Bible says that heaven and earth will pass away, but not a jot of the word of God will, will, will pass away. God is calling us to make a choice. In the face of difficulties, in the face of the unknown, what are we choosing? How are we making our choices? You know, we can choose fear or faith. We can choose hope or despair. We can choose the word of God or denounce the word of God. But just like Joshua said, said, for as for him and his house, he will serve the Lord. I said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How are we making choices? Are we watching the news? 
and making choices based on what the news is saying? Or are we going back to what the author and the finisher of our faith has said concerning the times? If God says there will be perilous times, he also said, be of good cheer for I have overcome. So it's a choice we have to make. And I'm not saying that things are not are going to be easy. But there are two voices here. There's a voice that says there's gloom, there's darkness, there's no hope. Everything is going down the drain. Yes, I hear that. But there's also another voice that says, be of good cheer for I have overcome. It's a choice we have to make. For the sake of our time, we're just going to run. So why do we have to make these choices? You know, what we, we say, does it matter? Dr. Emmanuel, does it really matter? Why do I even have to bother about choices? Fine, life, you know, life is what you make of it. You garbage in, you garbage out. Well, well not, not exactly true. Now, I want to remind us. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 29. It warns us. It said, time is short. Time is short. We don't have time because we know that Jesus is coming back. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days and apply our heart to wisdom. See, brethren, we can't just carry on like the world. We need to be sensitive. We need to pay attention to what is happening in the spirit. I want you to know that there's a shift in the spirit. That everything that's good in the world is not a coincidence. The Bible says when you see all these things happening, these are the signs. They're like breath pains. It's just warning us. So we need to be careful. Revelation 3 verse 11 talks about the coming of Jesus. I know some of you will say, oh, they've been saying this forever. Well, the Bible tells us that God is not slack concerning his promises, but he's long-suffering because he doesn't want any to perish. Jesus is coming back. And that's why it's important that we make this choice. Who do we want to follow? This is not a time to be complacent, and I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes. This is a time to decide your faith. If you want to be for God, be for God. You can't have your leg in one on one side on the other side. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back really soon. What what are the other reason? The Bible makes it clear. We're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 13. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 13. We're going to see what God said there. So in this place, I'm just going to paraphrase. It talks about that he's coming and he's coming with his reward. And Hebrews 9.27 talks about every man's work will be tried. Every man's work will be, will be looked at. So there's going to be a death reward. Jesus is not just coming, but he's coming, there will be judgment. Hebrews 9.27 says, For it's appointed unto man once to die, and after death, there's judgment. Listen, it doesn't matter whether you believe this or not. Some 
naysayers will say, oh, well, there's no judgment. You know, if you, are, if you have good in this life, that's your judgment. Well, you know what? Some people say there was nothing like coronavirus. It didn't change the virulence of coronavirus. See, I told somebody, the potency of the word of God does not depend on whether you believe it or not. The word of God is sure. God is God. We don't measure God by how we feel about what he said. It's appointed unto man wants to die and after death is judgment. That's why we have to be careful. Because everything we've done shall be judged. Everything. If we know how to do good and we refuse to do it, we're going to be judged. The Bible says, he that knoweth what to do, but doeth it not, to him it's a sin. Choices. What choice are we making? Are we preparing to meet our Savior? You know, when I was sick, God told me something. He said, tell my people, for those of you who saw the testimony, He said, tell my people, while they are alive, they will need me. When they die, they will meet me. He said, they either meet me as a friend or as a foe. And God is saying, come to me as a friend. God does not want any to perish. Choices. Before we get to how we make choices, I just want to quickly touch on two things. The one thing that is going to happen between now and Jesus comes are two things. There will be complacency and there will be distractions. That's the tool of the enemy. The enemy will seek to distract you so that you lose focus. The Bible says in 2 Timothy, it says, some having a form of godliness, 2 Timothy chapter 3, when you read that place, verse 5, he says, some having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. There will be Christians who have become complacent. And so they will have a form of godliness. There's religion, they speak Christianese, but they deny the power of the resurrection of Jesus. Revelation chapter 3, 15, 16 talks about, he said, you are neither hot nor cold. He said, I wish you were hot or cold. He said, but because you are not, I will spill you out of my mouth. Complacency. And the next thing is distractions. Matthew chapter 24, if you read from verse 37, he says, just like in the days of Noah, some were eating and drinking, they were marrying, they were partying. And then the flood came and Noah got into the ark. And everything was wiped. God is warning us. Jesus spoke about this. Distractions. We need to refocus. Choose ye this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we should serve the Lord. So how do we make right choices? What are the steps we need to take? I'm going to quickly run through them. We all know this. The first thing is the word of God. We must study the word. How many of us will go to a doctor who never went to medical school? I don't think anyone's going to do that. To become a doctor, you have to study. You have to understand the principles of medicine. So to be a Christian, you must study. To be a person of God, you must study God, his word. Second Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved of God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. When you know the word of God, you can decide God. You will be confused. 
The next thing is ratify through the, ratify every choices through the word. Hebrews 4:12 tells us that the word of God is sharper than two-edged sword. So when you don't know where to turn, you are faced with a choice to make. Don't be calling, you know, googling googling it. Get to the word of God. What does the word of God say about this issue? Let the word of God guide you. Let the word of God dissect this issue for you. You know, we spend so much time on social media. You know, if you spend a quarter of the time we spend on social media on studying the word of God, we will not be as confused when serious issues arise. You know, your businessman, they give you a proposal. Yes, you see all the profit, you see all the money, but there's something you're not sure about. Something looks sketchy. Something doesn't look right. You're calling your friends. What do you think I should do? Quit calling your friend. Call heaven. Get to the word of God. Find out what does the word of God say about bribing, corruption. The answers are there. The next step is you have to check every choices with the word of God. Now, the first one I said is study the word of God. If you don't study the word of God, forget it. You'll be as lost as the word itself. Lost. And then you ratify. Then you check. The Bible says, Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. If you, if you are looking for something and you're not sure, what you do, you turn on your flashlight. You check. You're checking every nook and cranny to see what you're looking for. When you have a choice to make or choices, you have to learn to check with the word of God. Let the word of God be a guide, a lamp for you to see what is not obvious. You see, there's so many things that people say, oh, you know, somebody told me you know, years ago, just ship a container of uh, wine you know, to, to Nigeria and uh, that we'll have a buyer for you. And I was going to make a lot of money. At least I'll make a million dollar profit. And I looked at it. Was, it sounded good. And I was talking to a pastor friend. He was like, that's fine. There's no problem with that. I mean, you're not telling people to drink. I'm like, okay. So I went back. And I realized that, no. Yes, I'm not telling people to drink. But how would I import a container of serious, serious alcohol that people are going to be drinking and misbehaving? I said, no. I turned it down. And I'm still standing. And I'm still feeding myself. Let the word of God guide us. We have to measure our choices by the word of God. That's the next point. What do I mean by measure? You know, we live in a time when some pastors, heads of a congregation, will just say something. Years ago, I was hearing a pastor in some parts of Africa told people to eat grass so they can get breakthrough. They'll tell you, oh, there's, a, there's this special water. They're going to use to wash your head and you're going to start doing well. No. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus. And I respect pastors. Even my pastor, I respect my pastor. But let not, let's not be deceived. Your pastor is not the word of God. The highest authority is Jesus. I don't care what any preacher, any pastor tells you. If it's not in line with the teachings, teachings of Jesus, don't do it measure your choices through the word of God 
Measure your choices. Ask yourself, what would Jesus do? If Jesus was in my situation, what would he likely say? The Bible looked at the Christians, the early Christians, and they saw in Antioch, they said, these ones, they, they, they are different. They behave like Christ. They must have been with Christ. And they called them Christians. And the last thing we need to do, you must guard your heart. The Bible warns us. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart with all jealousy, for out of it proceeds the issues of life. There's nothing you see that human beings have done that did not come from the heart. When you, ever, when you go downtown and you see the skyscrapers, somebody conceived that idea. When you see the bridges, somebody conceived it. When you see murder, when you see injustice, when you see evil, it is coming from the heart of somebody. Therefore, God wonders. He said, guard your heart. And you might say, oh, I'm a Christian, you know. I don't need to do that. No, stop there. Before you start to justify yourself. Isaiah 29 verse 13, it says, For these people, they draw near to me with their mouth and their lips. But their heart is turned away from me. And their fear toward me relies on the commandment of men. So, in other words, there are Christians who they speak the, the Christianist language, they talk holy, they speak in tongues, but once they leave church, their heart is far from God. That's why you see Christians are cheating. Christians are sleeping with other people's wives, or other people's husbands. And you imagine, this person is in church. This person says they call on the name of Jesus. The Bible says, Whoever names the name of the Lord shall depart from iniquity. We need to turn our hearts to God. Choices. Are you going to choose God? Are we going to learn to go to God? Check through His Word. Study His Word. Ratify every decision through the Word. Measure through the Word, through Christ. Not through our peers. Not what Instagram is saying. Not what Facebook is saying. Not what Twitter is saying. We need to turn back to God. Time is short. And if you're hearing me and you're saying, I've made so many bad choices. I've, I don't even know where to start. I have goodness for you. Jesus says, I stand knocking at the door. If you should open your heart, I will come in. Me and my father make a place in your heart the Bible says God is not slack concerning his promises but he's long suffering because he wants everyone to be saved he does not want any to, be, to perish I invite you today if you have not decided if you've made up your mind in the past to serve God but somehow you got distracted you became complacent and now you're hearing me and you're saying, oh, where do I start from? Today is the day. Now is the appointed time. If you would open your heart to Jesus, if you would choose him, Joshua says, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Moses says, choose life that you may live. For this Jesus is your life. The Bible says, in him we live, in whom we move, in him we have our being. He says, without me you can do nothing. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. But let me tell you, life in Christ 
is what you need. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Let us turn to Jesus. Let's give, surrender your life to Jesus. And if you, if you are there, and you decided, you know what? I'm going to make a turn. I'm going to get back to where I was. I'm going to pray with you now. Two groups of people. For those who were saved, you've been saved, but somehow the enemy has sown tears in your field, and now you're complacent. You become lukewarm. You're not that hot nor cold. On Saturday, you're in the club, partying and debauchery and everything. Sunday, you show up at church and you lift holy hands. In fact, these days, people are even lifting the Bible when they're doing everything that the Bible said not to do. We shall not continue. And I'm going to pray with that group of people. Father God, thank you for your, your child, your son, your daughter, who is saying, I want to get back with you. Father God, you said, if any man comes to me, I will know why it's cast away. Lord, you told us that 99 were left to go after the one that was missing. And Father, this one who is ready to come back, I pray in the name of Jesus that you accept this one. Restore, O oh God, that which the enemy has stolen from them. Father God, give them the life, the full life that you've promised. And everything the thief has stolen, Lord, let there be a full restoration. Restore their health. Restore, O oh God, their mind. Give them a sound mind. Father God, to make the right choices from now on. To choose you above all. Because heaven and earth shall pass away. But your word remaineth. Father, you said, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Father, accept this, your children, in the name of Jesus. And we're going to pray for the last group. You've, never, you've been coming to church. Or maybe you don't even go to church. You just happen to be listening to this, 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 this ministration. And you want to give God a chance. You want to give your life to Jesus. I'm going to pray with you. You're going to say after me, Dear God, I'm a sinner. I repent of my sin. Have mercy on me. I've understood that without you I can do nothing. I want you to come into my life. Give me your Holy Spirit. Make me new. Change me. Give me the life of God. Make me whole. From now, you have become my Lord and my Savior. I will serve you. I will choose you. It doesn't matter because I know that there is eternity. I will know that there will be a day that I will meet with you. Please let me not be cast away. In Jesus' name we pray. Our Heavenly Father, you are an awesome God. We thank you, O oh God, for your love towards us. Indeed, you want us to choose life. You want us to choose right. Father, your word said you've given us all that pertains to life and godliness. Father, I pray, O oh God, that from today, you will help us, O oh God, to make the right choices, to remember that you sent your only son to die for us. That his death is not in vain. For every man, oh God, who is saying, how am I going to do this? I ask, Lord, that you help us. That you have mercy on us, God. In the name of Jesus.
Father, yes, the times are difficult. We're in the end times, right? we're in perilous times. But we know you promised. He said we should be of good cheer because you've overcome. Father God, we live in the victory that we have through Christ. And we declare that we can do all things, all things through Christ that gives us strength. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. The Word is already working in you. We hope you were blessed by this message. For more messages and information about the church, please visit us at www.rccglivingspring.org.